0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 92 of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I am excited to share this one with you because my guest today is a designer of products of indulgence, things like spirits, wines, beer, tobacco, cannabis, and playing cards. I love it. What a great title. I have watched this guy's work on Instagram for a while now. His little Instagram stories showing off some of the work when he finally gets it in his hands, and I'm blown away every time. The intricacy, the detail, it's just incredible. I love his work. So, who is it? My guest today is Chad Michael from Chad Michael Studio in Texas. We talk about how in school he was an eclectic art kid and actually ended up eating lunch in the art room most days. He then grew up exceeding at design and ended up being a creative director at a few places in New York and a freelance creative director at one of them, which is kind of a unique position. He talks about that. Chad has always been inspired by old design and antiques, and he talks about some of the really unique stuff that he's got hanging around his house. The other thing I find kind of unique about Chad is he doesn't really have a specific process. He just goes by feeling, gets going. He gets some information and then just gets going. There's no ideal process. It changes between jobs. He talks about how that works for him. Chad talks that and so many other stories during this interview. The guy's got a cocktail during the interview. He just felt right at home and he was awesome to talk to. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to this wicked interview. My guest, Chad Michael. Here we go.
1: Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So are you ready for a quickie?
0: Chad, thank you so much for being on the show today. How are you, man?
2: Hey, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Awesome. You ready for a quickie? I,
2: I am ready for a quickie. Anytime,
0: anytime. Attaboy. Well, briefly tell the listeners about yourself.
2: Yeah. Uh, my name is Chad Michael. Uh, I run a design studio independently for the past five years, actually a little over five years, mm-hmm. uh, specialize in, quote, products of indulgence, which is mm-hmm. uh, everything, spirits, beer, wine, Uh, cannabis, tobacco, playing cards. That's about the extent of it so far.
0: So anything you would need for a great weekend.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anything you want to take on a camping trip is like, that's that's what I do.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So you've been doing the studio for the last five years. What were you doing before then? Before then, I
2: was in New York. I worked as a first a designer when I was first starting out. And then a creative director at various agencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I worked at Pearl Fisher as a creative director and Landor as a freelance creative director, which is a was a very weird, obscure position, like position, weird. because yeah, because they don't do a lot of freelance creative directors. But I came in, over saw some projects, all spirit related, um, and then kind of left and bounced after I worked there and came back to Texas mm-hmm. and started my own thing.
0: That's cool. So what? Other than enjoying them yourself, what do you think led you to the products of indulgence?
2: Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, like, it, I, I'm not actually like, I, I drink, but only socially, really mm-hmm. not. I mean, I do it like research, quote, quote. <laughs> so all, everything I do is like a text write-off, which is nice. Uh, but I think it's like the physical product, like I love package design in general. Mm-hmm. So I decided to kind of pick a niche within the whole realm to, you know, the more specialty, the more niche you are. It seems like uh, you know, the the greater like clients and the kind of the the people that come to you, uh, the more unique the projects are typically. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think it's more like when you get the final thing in your hand and it's printed, it's foiled, it's embossed, it's all these beautiful things. Uh it's kinda like a little trophy. You know, mm-hmm. you put it on a shelf and then you go to the next one.
0: Yeah, I've seen some of the gorgeous stuff that you've done on Instagram and you've shared through there. And then mm-hmm. I think it was last night you were rotating a bottle that uh, I think you had just recently finished the design of and ended up with a physical product in your hand.
2: Yeah, that's always the exciting part. It's the best part. Yeah,
0: that's cool. So I I want to go back even further than your time in New York and that creative direction, those stages, and ask Mm -hmm. you about your childhood and, and what that was like. Do you feel you had a creative childhood that led you in this direction?
2: Yeah, I think I have, like, a general – the same kind of backstory as other designers in a, in a certain sense of where you're – like, I was an art kid. I was that weird kid, like, in high school, didn't eat lunch in the cafeteria, ate lunch in the art room,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and, you know, had this, like, weird kind of eclectic circle of friends in high school that were, like, punk and goth and all this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, but then before that, when I was a kid, uh, I would always draw. I always did things. I, I made, like, little sculptures – clay uh scrap metal i when i was like 12 through 15 i had this phase of creating weird metal artworks because i'd tra- <laughs> cool. take trips to the sculpture yard and just use like glue and glue a bunch of metal together and be like oh make some ridiculous like concept theory behind it um but that's yeah it's always been kind of part of me i didn't really even know about graphic design much like i hear a lot of designers say this in interviews that Um, you know, you don't really even know about it until you're introduced to it. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's all around me. It's everywhere I go. Yeah.
0: Dude, that is a great transition to the next question, which is what happened when you first started noticing design in the world? Or what did you start to see?
2: I mean, I think one of the things that I I guess it's just so overwhelming, I think Um, one of the things that like, I saw straight away is how much there is of like bad design, and so <laughs> the more you be like the over the years the, the more you are a designer and the more you you know hone your own craft and learn and uh, gain all this knowledge the more uh, everything looks like shit <laughs> to a
1: certain <laughs> degree. Yeah.
2: So I so it's just you know you got an eye for it everywhere I go you know I, you look at the kerning and you look at what's good and what doesn't work and how it could have been better. And it just becomes very obvious and it's something that no one that's not, that someone that's not in the field, they don't really pay attention to it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they don't really realize how valuable like great graphic design, great packaging, branding is.
0: Um, so it's almost like you started seeing the things that were not good first yeah. before you started seeing what it was. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. Is there anything in those sort of early creative days for you that stands out as maybe the most influential design of your career so far or something that you've seen that like flicked the switch for you?
2: Yeah, I think, well, it's nothing that anyone's seen. But when Mm -hmm. I was in college, uh, we were assigned our first package design-based project. And uh, mine was a a line of like um, hair gels. And it was all driven towards men. My aesthetic Mm -hmm. is inherently very... Usually, it's got a lot of masculine, masculinity in it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, very tall, condensed typefaces. There's so much type jammed into one damn label, typically, which I love. I love typefaces. But this was kind of the stepping stone, the foundation for my love for package design is doing this whole line of uh, men-driven products. I think they were actually infused with pheromones was like the whole concept besides <laughs> like crazy. behind the project. Yep. Uh, And so that's that always like has stuck with me as like one of my because it was my first like, I was like, Oh, I want to do packaging now. Um, It's my first kind of passionate love package design fall in love meet cute kind of project. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So when you've designed something, and you walk into a liquor store, and you see it on shelf, or you see somebody walking out with that bottle with your label on it that you designed, what is that feeling?
2: I'm giddy as a schoolgirl, man. Like, uh, it's it never like it, it's always, it gets me in awe. Like, yeah, I, i never, it never kind of goes above my head and it's never like, Oh, I'm over it. Every time I see it, even if it's the same bottle I'm seeing over and over again, it's still extremely exciting. Um, you ever so tap someone
0: on the shoulder and be like, I did
2: that. Yeah. Maybe after a few drinks or something <laughs> <laughs> like whispering in someone's ear, like all hot and heavy, like, Hey. I did that bottle, you know, (laughs) and they really do not care typically, Yeah, (laughs) but you know, it's exciting.
0: That's cool, man.
2: Yeah. It's a good gig.
0: So, you know, you have a very unique style and you stick to your packaging niche and your work. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to know what designers and brands you're looking out there and to watch what they're doing. Who are you closely following and what about them do you like?
2: That's the thing I think is uh, I try to, uh like i have a lot of designers that i follow that i love their work mm-hmm. um but i try not to be influenced by any of that work yes um i think that's kind of key to pushing out stuff that you're like oh that's interesting and i haven't seen mm-hmm. that before granted everything is inspired by something else and you know like i do like i never work from like a blank white canvas and things just magically pop in my brain you know um i am really inspired by older uh, ephemera uh, antique goods. I go all the time and find little knickknacks and my house actually looks like a 80 year old woman lives in it. There's a lot of <laughs> trinkets and antiques and they, it, we've had weird comments about people come over and are like, are you sure you live here? <laughs> yeah. kind of
0: Who are you renting from? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: It's an Airbnb. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I think, uh, you know, again, like, and i have a lot of love for a lot of people's a lot of designers different works but i'm really inspired and in, uh it, what keeps me going is the older stuff mm-hmm. the stuff from 1800s to 1920s uh wide range everything from you know letterheads to the old packaging of soap or whatever it may be um that's the kind of stuff that i look to to take that combine it with you know stuff that whatever the project is like materials or -hmm. And make it new. So it's like a constant evolution, I think.
0: Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I love there's a couple of antique stores locally here and going in and seeing like the old signage, old gas station signage, all these old cool things are just awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah. When you see the right, just the mark that was made 50 years ago, that I mean, none of the, you don't know of these, the names of the designers or letterers or whoever made these, but sometimes they just stop and you're like, God, that is awesome. You know? Makes you want to go home and jump on the computer and try to work something out that, you know, it falls in the same family or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: That's the trouble with antiques. though As you see a an old gas station sign, you're like, "Oh, that's awesome! I'd love to have that at home." Seven thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: it's true. Yeah. So you just, I just gotta keep upping my prices, I guess, so I can afford this these random antiques.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh,
2: we just, uh, my wife and I just bought a uh, cast iron potbelly stove from. They only made them from 1860 to 1869. Wow. Granted, it was we found it at a estate, so it wasn't an expensive piece, but it's just like finding those pieces and being able to like put them in your house is like Mm. I don't know it's it's really uh inspiring
0: okay so where did you put it what did you do with it
2: I put it in the bedroom we cleaned it up polished her up now she's in there doing nothing she just a little (laughs) she just sits there
0: just something to smile at every now and then right
2: yeah exactly
0: that's cool um Chad I want to ask you about your process. Um you might not think that your design process is that unique, but I want to hear from you about it and what you think makes it yours, your individual process.
2: Yeah, you know, it, it, people have asked me this question before. It's a it's kind of strange because every project I tend to approach differently. Mm-hmm. Um I don't really have a hard and fast rule of like um I do research first and then I do sketches and then I'm in the computer. Like that's never really been my thing. I actually don't even sketch that much uh, unless it's like an illustration, like specific thing. Um, but uh, most often, I, I would say if I had to paint like a broad picture, I would say it's I get to name a lot of the products that mm-hmm. I do. Uh, so it's that's kind of where it all starts. Is like if they have if the client comes to me and they have I don't know maybe a little story or nothing at all, which actually happens more often than you would think. Uh, I start with a name, a name that would resonate with people, be memorable, like create like a wave in the market, I guess, something kind of new. And then I kind of work from there.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, so, and then after the naming and everything, it's a lot, I do a lot of copywriting in Mm -hmm. my own work. Um, I love saying things in a unique way that reflects like the attitude and the look of whatever the design is, whatever the brand is. And putting all that like fresh language in. So, if it's like a southern brand, you know, you find those old southern words and the southern draws and um, just things that will really make the brand pop that are not really specific aesthetic Mm -hmm. details. Um, And then it's in the computer, it's just a shit ton of exploration. Uh, I've never designed something and hit it straight away. Mm -hmm. Um, So, it's like I'll I'll take pieces and I'll copy paste, copy paste. Um, and keep just working on it until I feel like as a whole, like,
0: yeah, this is, you're in a spot.
2: Yeah. This is working. Uh, I'll pitch it to a client and hopefully they dig it, which happens most of the time. Sometimes Mm. it doesn't. That's part of the world we live in. Uh, and then, um, I'll finesse and craft and sweat and bleed and (laughs) craft and sweat, um, until it's done. Yeah.
0: So, you you don't really have like a specific process. You just go with feel. Like, what are you feeling? Do you feel like sketching on this one? Do you feel it needs sketching or do you want to just dive right in? You go with feel.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it just depends on. It really is. The the thing that I love about Spirits, too, is Spirits, Wines, and Beers is there's such a different brand story and different direction you can take with each one Mm -hmm. that I feel like it's infinite. You know, there's, you never repeat yourself. Um, So, it just, Sometimes it starts with copy, sometimes a single word, sometimes it's like, maybe it's a paper stock. Maybe it's like, I really want to, for this brand, this blind embossed wood paper stock is like it. So how do we work from that Mm -hmm. and work backwards or forwards or whatever it may
0: be? So when you're working with a high-end spirit or, or distillery, do they have the product made and they're just trying to name it and sell it? Or is it the other way around?
2: Uh, sometimes they have the product made. Sometimes it's still being made.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's always great to like get some of the spirit ahead of time so you can taste it. Because um, sometimes the flavor will influence like where you go with it. Like if it's Definitely. overly orange, you know maybe the 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 backstory is like a, an orange character or the labels and the colors and everything is influenced by that. Uh, sometimes the flavor profile is not part of it at all. Um, so I would say half the time. Um, they have the product ready Mm -hmm. half the time they don't uh i'd say 70 percent of the time it seems like the the as the years have progressed more people come to me and say which is amazing and say hey don't know what we want all we know is we're making a single malt it comes from here go for it so i developed this weird backstory i just try to find something uh to grab onto because you have to build a concept around something um Mm -hmm. I've never built a design or like designed something that had no story Mm -hmm. because I have to have story, um, to, for me personally, as a designer, like in order to actually do good work, have to have something to build around, you know?
0: Definitely. Um, so Chad, the next couple of questions I have for you go through part of your career where you maybe made some mistakes, learned some lessons. Um, and I want to pull those stories out and share those with the listeners. Um, what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it?
2: Yeah, I think uh, just running on studio is a constant day to day challenge. Even though it's been over five years, I'm still learning things as we go, Uh but you know, it's not even necessarily design things. It's like balancing your own books, writing proper contracts, (laughs) having phone calls and getting feedback from clients where you handle it in a professional manner. And, not necessarily tell them no, because sometimes you do have to tell them no. I tell I tell clients no a lot, mm-hmm. but you have to do it in a way that was like, no, this will not work, but here's another solution.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it, communication was a big. When I first started, I was kind of an asshole, like in terms <laughs> of like, no, don't touch my design. We cannot do that. And yeah. I didn't have another way to eloquently say like, um, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. But instead of that, maybe we do like half of that and we do mm-hmm. this instead. So I think as the years have progressed, I've just kind of matured professionally, and it's it's helped out a lot. Uh, that's been in the one that's I think that was the biggest hump is just like kind of not being so in love with your work that mm-hmm. you're unwilling to make change,
0: and it's sort of being you know willing to do. Uh, I talked about this in my last episode, doing the unsexy things and developing, you know, the paperwork bits, the accounting stuff, the contract stuff, like that stuff's not sexy, but it's so good. Once you have it, it just feels good. Um, And you feel almost feel safer. So trying to prioritize that, even though it's not as cool as designing a whiskey label.
2: Yeah. You got to do it, man. It's just like those things have to be done or they'll end up biting you somewhere or another. Like if you don't have a proposal, or a contract built out ahead of time, a client will not not saying they mean to, but they may inadvertently take advantage of you, like yes. because they don't they don't know the scope of work. It hasn't been specifically outlined, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's almost so, a lot of people don't understand um, sort of the best practices when working with a designer. Yeah,
2: yeah, uh, I I think yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely right. Um, it, it's a fine line. I mean, it, it's a really personal relationship that you develop, and um, I think there's just, as long as there's respect involved in like, clients can um, offer creative direction to a certain degree, but I think the most successful projects that I've had offer little, just enough, Mm -hmm. just like a few thoughts, some ideas, but never like taking a design and like saying, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, that doesn't make it good, yeah. That's not good, that never you know, makes for a good project
0: You want to get to a point where they can just trust you fully, yeah and and let you run with it because really you're the expert.
2: yeah, yeah, and I think as the years progress and the portfolio gets larger, the trust has become more um, uh, just readily available like they they come to me more trusting right off the bat because mm-hmm. they see the other work that I've done and poured you know life into and passion and hours and hours and hours. And so that always helps too. Um, just having a building that body of work and photographing your projects like in a really beautiful way to where like when they come to you, they they say, OK, go ahead, man, do your thing. You know? mm.
0: so. so I guess the lesson in that is, you know, when you're starting your own freelance and you're getting things up and going is, you know, understanding the importance of doing the unsexy things to protect yourself. Mm.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Um, you gotta do those
0: unsexy. You gotta be
2: unsexy sometimes. Which is what you <laughs> Just, got.
0: Which is what you gotta do. It can't be sexy all the time.
2: Yeah, only only some of the time. That would
0: be exhausting.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a lot of maintenance to be sexy all the time. For
0: sure. Um, Chad, I want you now to take us to a story about a specific designer project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. Um, what was that like? Maybe it's like a press check disaster or, you know, something. How did that feel? Take us to that story.
2: Yeah, I think one sticks out immediately and I, I'm safe <laughs> to talk about it because I haven't spoke to the client in many years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think through my career, uh, it, as an, as an independent studio, I've had maybe Two, three projects, which happens will happen to anyone at any point, mm-hmm. um, that don't work out, that fall through, where uh, personalities just don't sync up, mm-hmm. um, which is something I always look to. I always have a call before I take on any project to mm-hmm. see if that rapport is there and see if there are any like huge red flags or anything. But I think the one that sticks out is... Um, I, there was a, a, let me, how can I be broad about this? <laughs> there was a gin, um, spirit. It was a custom bottle design project with mm-hmm. which are more, they're pretty, they're mostly rare because most clients are startups, unless you're a huge company and have a lot of financial backing, they work with stock bottles. Yes. So any custom glass bottle projects are really like, those are like the top ones you That's really a big want. big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a lot of work. And to have a custom glass bottle out there that you designed is always super cool. Uh, but we went, I think one of the things is we, we, we there were so many emails. We went on for over a year. We um, got to the point where we were at the very end. We had the custom glass glass bottle done. We did a custom closure top for the actual glass bottle. So that was custom as well. Full label design, outer carton for the box. Like it was the whole, whole deal. And at the very end of it, Uh, it just fell apart. Uh, The guy kind of backed out. Uh, I don't know if it was on his end, but we also had some clashing in terms of um, like final details. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just, I think it was one of those things where we just didn't jive together. Um, And that was, and and so now I have like 30 beautiful glass bottles that I can never show the world, just like samples sitting in the studio um brings a little tear to my eye return to see it because it will never no one will ever see it and it's uh, one of my favorite ones
1: mm-hmm.
2: i think that one really sticks out for me um having so much work being put into a project and then at the very finish line being like ah see you later you know
0: that's bizarre so did it right what do you think was there anything now looking back that was, was sort of stuck out as a flag or was it total blindside
2: no, I mean, it was one of those, it was an earlier job in my career where I didn't quite know what the red flags were yet. Yep. Um, and the red flags are still like, I know them inherently, but they're hard to say what they are. Yes. It's like you just kind of know when you read an email or talk to somebody, you're like, nah, I'm going to step away from this.
0: You almost got a gut feeling.
2: Yeah, it's a gut feeling. Uh, so this guy, I think I shoved my gut feeling down early on and I just pushed through because I was, uh, it was just starting out um, on my own. Um, and the emails... I mean, it's a red flag when a, when you send a design over and they send you a three page Word document of notes. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. So that was and but I kept pushing through. I kept pushing through and we we got so far and then it just I think it was it was just it didn't work for so long even though we had such a good product at the end there was so much back and forth and critiquing mm-hmm. and uh, it just got exhausting. I think we both just kind of like I think he just gave up and I actually don't think he even did anything with it. I don't
0: know so. Oh, man.
2: Who so knows, man?
0: Did you get uh, burned financially on that, or was it... Oh, no. No, okay.
2: That, that was one thing I learned right up front, is always get 50% down, mm-hmm. and if the project prolongs for a long period of time, ask for a installment payment. Yes. So they pay 50. If they have 50 left and it's going on for a little while, I'll say, hey, really appreciate if you paid 25% of the total amount owed or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that way you're, you limit the burn. You yes. Know? You limit the burn. So.
0: Got it. Oh, that's a tough one, man. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> yeah, maybe just like share a picture of the bottle. Maybe that'll help you.
2: Yeah. yeah, you know, it's been a long time. So I actually thought about mocking it up and just like photographing it as a final piece. But mm. I have a feeling that it might come back to me in some weird way legally. So uh, so yep. I'll I'm just, I'm just avoid it.
0: Better safe than sorry.
2: Yeah, just move on to the next one.
0: Yeah. So Chad, what is something you are struggling with in your design career right now? Hmm.
2: I mean, right now I I'm at the point, uh, of, I think the biggest struggle is, um, which I'm very happy to say it's like, it's a, it's a very rewarding thing, but, um, to the point of, uh, I need to hire someone or I need to stop taking on work like mm-hmm. as, as much work. So, um, because I spend so much time, only take about twenty to twenty-five projects on a year. Mm-hmm. Spend so much time on every little project that uh, it's 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 too much at the moment. So I need to gr- I need to make the decision to grow or dial back a Got little it. bit.
0: So so talk that out with me. What are you thinking? What are your thoughts on that? What are you leaning toward?
2: Uh, we've had some talks about it. I think the. Um, I think what we're gonna do is uh, I want we're gonna move which mm-hmm. we have the house up for sale pretty soon we're gonna move I w- I've always wanted to build this like barn this black barn thing or whatever it may be on I've always wanted to work from home but never inside the house anymore so I yes. want to build something out back uh, and then probably hire on an intern and in a second like a production manager someone to handle all the aftermath of when a design is done so mm-hmm. like print specing and talking to printers because i spend most of my days doing that stuff now
0: dude where do you and where do you source printers where do you find printers
2: all over the place it just depends if it's letterpress i go to, there's like a handful of people that i go to like clove street press in san francisco there's a guy named daniel that runs that
1: mm-hmm.
2: and he is i've been working with him since the beginning since the, since i started my own thing and his attention to detail for letterpress is impeccable it's like it's always brilliant, uh, the impression, ink coverage, everything. Is all. The registration is always uh, right on point. Awesome. Uh, and then for label printers, it kind of depends on where the client is. If they're in France, they most likely have their own printer. If they're here in the States, it kind of just depends on what area of the state they're in. Or uh, if they're in California or Colorado, it kind of just depends. Mm-hmm. Shipping is sometimes a factor. So,
0: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, that house sells quick for you and you get to build that dream barn.
2: Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm going (laughs) to put a weird secret room in it and, you know, maybe I'll put that potbelly stove in there and actually get it working.
0: Yeah. Uh, There you go. Yeah. You know, there's some great land up here in Vancouver, BC. Just saying.
2: Oh, I bet. I bet. We've actually talked about leaving Texas, but it's because it's getting so, I mean, it's always been hot, but I feel like it's, you know, it's getting hotter. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: getting hotter for sure.
2: Got it. Uh, Maybe we'll move to somewhere cool. Who knows?
0: Alaska. Yeah, just Alaska. Just change the scenery. Yeah, just do
2: like an igloo, an outdoor igloo <laughs> barn thing. Yeah, paint, the, paint that black.
0: There yeah. you go. Um, Chad, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without?
2: Uh, I would say Pinterest. Pinterest, eh? Uh, yeah. I, I think uh, you can literally type in anything and go down this weird rabbit wormhole and be like, oh, my God, I didn't know this was like a thing. <laughs> like, you know, like, uh, I, what did I stumble on? I stumbled on the other day uh, World War I uh, designed envelopes. So they used to design the, like, someone would illustrate on the outside of, like, paper envelopes. What? There's this whole series of, like, really amazing artwork on the outside of these. I never even knew it was, like, a thing. Or, like, a, I don't know. And so I pulled a bunch of them, and they're just, they're beautiful. Beautiful pieces, so it's things like that, or like the uh, the ends of old spoons. <laughs> like, there's a lot of beautiful old spoons that have like uh, handcrafted ornate metal work on them. You're like, damn, mm-hmm. like I don't know where that will come in handy someday, but let's drop that in a folder and save it. You know,
0: that's cool. So, man. Yeah. Um, we've reached this point to the show where it's the ask it forward question.
1: I've got a <laughs> question
0: for you for my last guest, and you get an opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. Not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Okay. So, my last guest was uh, Jordan Wilson out of Portland, mm-hmm. Oregon. He is mm-hmm. a packaging designer, so relatable to yourself. We're brothers. <laughs> Perfect. He's also the co host of the Creative Course podcast. So, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to know what your go to karaoke song would be
2: oh shit i sing all the time actually even when no one's around uh and i'm not good at it uh so uh it's just for i don't know why <laughs> bit of insanity maybe uh go to karaoke song um i mean the first one that actually comes to my mind is i believe i can fly but that's a song you shouldn't be singing right now yes
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> with current so, with current uh markets <laughs> yeah
2: exactly uh, I, I would say, uh, probably, uh, something Elvis Presley related when oh, I was young. classic. Yeah. I was a huge Elvis Presley fan when I was a kid. Uh, had the, had the pushback hair and the, the push front, I guess. I don't know what they call it. door. I don't know what they call it. Then There's I a a, of- like
0: a party in the back and business in the front. Or something. No, that,
2: that's, that's that's a mullet. <laughs> oh, sorry. My mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I'd rock one of those though. Uh, but, uh, I think anything Elvis Presley would be a good karaoke jam.
0: nice Nice. jordan's was um rich girl by hollow notes
2: ah okay i don't know it but i'll play it afterwards
0: no definitely you got to find it man it's a really good one yeah cool uh what's the question you'd like to ask my next oh
2: i would say uh since we're on the topic of spirits Mm -hmm. i guess if you could if you had to make up any cocktail on the spot what would be the three ingredients
0: that's awesome i was so hoping you would ask that kind of question yeah yeah so only, typically, only typically three. that's all you
2: need yeah just yeah. need three ingredients three or four
0: three or four ingredients what cocktail do you make right now
2: mm-hmm. tell them uh ask them if they can and what their garnish would be okay yeah
0: three or four ingredients make a cocktail and what's your garnish
2: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> They'll be like, oh, my God, there's so much to process here. So it's like a whiskey, milk, peanut butter, and I'm going to garnish it with a Lego. It's like, huh?
0: <laughs> just throwing it down. And the, but then you think about it, and you're like, you know what? I would order one of those. Yeah. <laughs> just to see it. Just to be like, yeah, what's j- that just about? Just to
2: see it. Not to drink it, but to see it. No, for sure. pass
0: it on, but just to see it. Yeah. That's cool. Chad, that's the end of the show, man. Thank you so much for being oh, a guest today. It was awesome chatting with you, and um, I love the work you're doing, so please keep it up and keep sharing.
2: Okay. I absolutely will. I'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate your time. Guys, you have to check out Chad on Instagram. His game is fire over there. Chad Michael Studio on Instagram. The detail in the guy's work is just incredible. Just love it. It makes me, makes me happy. Actually makes me feel like making a cocktail. It's too early right now, but soon. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you tomorrow.